Welcome to Canada's National Bible Hour. This is Brian Albrecht, your host and president of Mission Go. Today, our scripture is taken from John chapter 10, verses 28 and 29, which say, and this is Jesus speaking, And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which gave them to me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. These verses are very precious to those of us who are believers because it tells us that God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ have us securely held in his hand. And that means that we have eternal security, and it means that no one, including ourselves or anyone else, can pluck us out of his hand. And the promise in these verses is that we already have our eternal life. We are now living our eternal life even this day. And so we want to buy up the time because the days are evil and we want to be able to share the gospel of Christ with those who uh, have never heard or those who are unbelievers. And uh, we just want to serve him each day because of all the wonderful blessings and benefits that he's given to us. a radio edition of Global Times. Today I'd like to make a report on Sarah Spear and her ministry in the Republic of Congo. Sarah, as you know, is a missionary from Canada. Her home is in Oak Bank, which is a town south of Winnipeg. She's been on the mission field for probably 30 years now and has done a terrific job working at the Pioneer Christian Hospital. She also has so many other ministries. She actually goes into the villages and treats wounds and helps so many people with leprosy. She has a real burden for lepers. In fact, she's been able to raise the money to uh, put up a leper clinic 
in Infondo, the Republic of Congo. And my wife and I were just there probably about six months ago, and we saw this clinic and the building's up, and it's pretty much completed. They've just been able to, to put in bath facilities to help the lepers. And so the, the idea is that we can bring lepers who are infected with a disease to this center. We can house up to 20 lepers at a time. We can keep them there for an entire year, and the government provides the medicines to treat the leprosy. And so we're able to get the leprosy in remission, and then we're able to send these folks back home. They can live in their own communities. And as you know, leprosy is a, is a terrible disease for a person to get, particularly in that culture, because you're ostracized and your own family will be estranged from you and you won't be able to work. And it's just a very difficult situation to be in. One of the things that we noticed is that the pygmies are the ones that, that get leprosy at a much higher rate than anyone else over there. And I had a chance to meet three or four pygmy uh, men and women who are affected with this, this disease. And we had a good time of a fellowship. They hear the gospel and they've come to Christ. They're so thankful that someone actually cares for them and loves them. And they're so thankful that someone would actually touch them and uh, not be afraid of them. You can have just, just a wonderful good time with these poor lepers. The big need, though, at the leprosy clinic is, is a pump uh, for the well. We have a hand-dug well there that provides minimally clean water, and we need to, uh, to dig deeper. But to do that, then we'll need a, a pump to be able to get the water to the surface so that uh, it'll be clean, it'll be fresh but it'll be uh, accessible then so that it can be usable by the, by the people there in the leprosy clinic. And so that's just a, a great opportunity to help people out and to make their life a little easier. I saw one leper man who had a, uh, a special cart that he, he sort of sat in and got around on and had wheels, and he was wheeling all over the, uh, the compound there that we have. He had the, the joy of the Lord even in his very difficult place. I also had the opportunity to go into town of Fondo, and the government has a facility there for lepers. And my goodness, it's just a terrible place. It's a place that's run down. It's a place that no one else wanted. And so the, the, the lepers in town are, are housed there. And boy, is that a terrible, filthy place that just stinks. And uh, it's just a, a very, very bad situation. And I was able to go in there and preach the gospel and be able to share that Christ is the great healer, talking about spiritual healing, that Christ could save their souls and, and help them, that the leprosy clinic we had could, could minister to their physical needs and could help them put their, their disease in remission. I prayed for their good health and for their strength. But most of all, we, we prayed that they would come to know Jesus Christ personally. So I had a real burden for these poor lepers. And it's just a real desperate situation to have people in this. It's a very difficult place in the Congo anyway, where the, the standard of living is so low. And uh, there are so many needs there. And then you have a person with leprosy, and it just makes the, uh, the whole situation worse. So would you please pray for Sarah Spear, who's just doing a loving wonderful job with these people. She cares for them. She binds their wounds. She gives them medicine. She watches over them. She makes sure that they get good nutrition. She's just a wonderful missionary who just loves the Lord and has just given her life for these people. And I'm just so thankful for the privilege 
to have her as one of our missionaries, and it's a real privilege for me just to know her. And I'm just so thankful to the Lord for her commitment to Jesus Christ and the way that she has served over the years. Thank you for listening to Canada's National Bible Hour and for your prayers and financial support. We continue to remind people that we can't be on the air without their faithful prayers and their gifts to sustain this ministry. This month, we're giving away a wonderful booklet entitled Procrastination, written by June Hunt, who is a biblical counselor with the award-winning radio program, Hope for the Heart. This is a wonderful little booklet, Preventing the Decay of Delay, it says. If you are plagued with procrastination, with God's help, you can rearrange your priorities and complete your task on time. This booklet can be a guide of biblical principles for good time management. Be sure you can defeat procrastination, finish tasks on time, and enjoy the process. Please write to receive your free booklet. To get your copy, you can write Canada's National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario, L2R, 7A7 or in United States at Box 2010, Buffalo, New York 14231. And don't forget to ask for your copy of Procrastination. Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty. Today's message is from Dr. Fred Hartman as a continuing study in the book of Revelation. Printed copies are available upon request. Wickedness has become so common that we are no longer shocked by it. Listen to any local newspaper, uh, newscast each evening, and the first half of it is taken up by criminal activities in your area. Even in our evangelical churches, the divorce rate is higher than outside the church. I'll admit, however, that there are so many young people who are not getting divorced because they've never gotten married. 
and it's so easy to get out of wedlock when there's nothing legal about it. They just split up and leave and go their own way. Today, humanism has taken over the world. In this teaching, man is the center of all things. He determines his own destiny, and there's no need for God. Is any wonder that has been such an, there's been such an increase in wickedness like Paul promised in these last days? Paul Harvey warned of this more than 50 years ago. Let's take a look at what he said back then. If I were the devil, if I were the prince of darkness, I'd want to engulf the whole world in darkness, and I would have a third of its real estate and four-fifths of its population. But I wouldn't be happy until I'd seized the finest apple on the tree, the... So I'd set about, however necessary, to take over the United States. I'd subvert the churches first. I'd begin with a campaign of whispers. With the wisdom of the serpent, I would whisper to you as I did to Eve, do as you please. To the young, I would whisper that the Bible is a myth. I would remind them and convince them that man created God instead of the other way around. I would confide that what is bad is good and what is good is square. And to the old, I would teach to pray after me, our Father, which art in Washington. And then I'd get organized. I'd educate authors how to make lurid literature exciting so that anything else would seem dull and uninteresting. I'd threaten TV with dirtier movies and vice versa. I'd peddle narcotics to whom I would. I'd sell alcohol to ladies and gentlemen of distinction. I'd tranquilize the rest with pills. If I were the devil... I'd soon have families at war with themselves, churches at war with themselves, and nations at war with themselves, until in each his turn was consumed. And with promises of higher ratings, I'd have mesmerized media fanning the flames. If I were the devil, I would encourage schools to refine young intellectuals to neglect to discipline themselves. Just let them run wild until, before you know it, you'd have to have drug-sniffing dogs and metal detectors at every schoolhouse door. Within a decade, I'd have prisons overflowing. I'd have judges promoting pornography. Soon I would evict God from their courthouse and then from the schoolhouse and then from the House of Congress. And in his own churches, I would substitute psychology for religion and deify science. I would have priests and pastors misusing boys and girls and church and money. If I were the devil, I'd make the symbol of Easter an egg and the symbol of Christmas a bottle. If I were the devil, 
I would take from those who have, and I would give to those who wanted, until I had killed the incentive of the ambitious. And what will you bet I couldn't get whole states to promote gambling as a way to get rich? I would caution against extremes in hard work, in patriotism, in moral conduct. I would convince the young that marriage is old-fashioned, that swinging is more fun than what you see on TV is a way to be. And this I could, and, and thus I could undress you in public, and I could lure you into bed with diseases for which there's no cure. In other words, if I were the devil, I just keep on doing what I'm doing. As we have already noted, wickedness is rapidly expanding. It seems that every year there's more and more of it. It has been rapidly permeating their entire society. Man may become accustomed to it, and what once was considered evil is now considered to be acceptable. That's the viewpoint of man. But the important thing is God's viewpoint of wickedness. To get a perspective on what God thinks about wickedness, we only need to look at Genesis 6, verses 5 to 7. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth. Both man and beast, creeping thing and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. We all know that as a result of that wickedness, God sent the flood. All of mankind was wiped out, with the exception of Noah and his family. Beginning in chapter 18 of Genesis and running through chapter 19, we read the story of the wickedness of Sodom and Gomorrah. Though God removed Lot and his family, he sent the fire and brimstone out of heaven and literally wiped them off the face of the earth. If you visit that general area today, there is nothing left but rocks that were once molten. God does not play around with wickedness. He brings judgment on it. In the book of Deuteronomy, God was preparing the Jewish people on their wilderness journey for the day they would go into the land of Canaan. In the first four verses of chapter 9, we read, Hear, O Israel, you are to cross over the Jordan today and go into the, 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 dis, dis, to, to dispossess that nation, those nations, greater than mightier than yourself, cities great and fortified to up to heaven, a people great and tall, and the descendants of the Anakim, 
whom you know, and of whom you heard it said, Who can stand before the descendants of Anak? Therefore, understand today that the Lord your God is he who goes before you as a consuming fire. He will destroy them and bring them down before you, so you shall drive them out and destroy them quickly, as the Lord has said to you. Do not think in your heart after the Lord your God has cast them out before you, saying, Because of my righteousness, the Lord has brought me in to possess this land. But it is because of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord is driving them out from before thee. Once again, we see the hand of the Lord dealing with wickedness. The Canaanites lost their land and their lives when the Israelites conquered their land, all because of their sin. Even before Israel conquered the land of Canaan, under the leadership of Joshua, God warned his own people what he would do to them if they turned away from him. We read about these promises in Deuteronomy 28:15-21. But it shall come to pass, if you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all the commandments and the statutes which I command you today, that all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. Cursed shall you be in the field, in the city, and cursed shall you be in the country. Cursed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Cursed shall be the fruit of your body and the produce of your land, the increase of your cattle and the offspring of your flocks. Cursed shall you be when you come in, and cursed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will send on you cursing, confusing, and rebuke in all that you set your hand to do until you are destroyed and until you perish quickly because of the wickedness of your doings in which you have forsaken me. The Lord will make the plague cling to you until he has consumed you from the land which you are going to possess. We have seen the four biblical illustrations that God hates wickedness. He destroyed wicked mankind with the flood. He destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah because of their wickedness. He destroyed the Canaanites because of their wickedness. And he promised Israel, his chosen people, before they even entered the land, the promised land, that if they turned from him to wicked ways, they would face his judgment on them. They would not only lose the land he would give them, but they would be cursed by him. We know from the rest of the Old Testament that this is exactly what happened. Now, if God would bring his judgment on all these nations and on his chosen people, how could we today not expect God to be consistent and not judge us for the wicked ways our nations are practicing. He gave 
the Jewish people one opportunity after another to repent of their evil ways and turn back to him and obey him. They refused. And God brought judgment upon these people. Today, if we do not repent as nations and turn back to God, we're going to face the same kind of judgment at the hands of God. I beg of every one of you who know the Lord to get on your knees, repent of your sins, and plead with him for your nation. For those of you who are listening to my voice and have never trusted Christ as your Savior, there's a judgment awaiting you that is far greater than all of these judgments put together. I leave you with three verses, Revelation 20, 10, 15, and 21, 8. And the devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. And anyone not found in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake of which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Today, you can choose this or eternal life if you would trust Christ as your Savior. I trust that the message you just heard will be a great blessing. Truths that were shared today can be applied to your lives this week. We at Canada's National Bible Hour are always concerned about those who may be listening but don't know Jesus Christ as a personal Savior. And of course, the scriptures are very clear. It is not one of us that deserves to be in God's presence. There is no way to get to God unless God would do something for us, and he did. He sent the best gifts, the Lord Jesus, as he was obedient and became a man-babe in the manger, lived a sinless life with the whole goal of going to the cross one day and bearing the sins of the world. He thought about you. He bore our sins in his body as he hung there on the tree that day. So the Bible says, if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. If you trust God to forgive you from your sins, to have a relationship with him, God will receive you. God will save you. Receiving him, accepting him, gave you the right to become a child of God. Don't forget to write for this month's copy of Procrastination by June Hunt, a wonderful little booklet. If you are plagued with procrastination, with God's help, you can rearrange your priorities and complete your task on time. 
I know this booklet will be a great encouragement to you. Please write Canadian National Bible Hour, 1210 St. Catherine, Ontario, L2R7A7, or United States at Box 2010, Buffalo, New York, 14231. Remember, you can also hear past messages of this broadcast on our website at www.missiongo.org. We are now offering an internet radio broadcast on your mobile device. Don't forget to remember us in your prayers. So we want to thank you in advance for what you will do for us and help us do what we do in getting the gospel around the globe. God bless.